Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Run Hard Running Team podcast. I am excited to have Lionel Adams on the podcast today as we dive into his running career, his running life, and all that. As you know, Run Hard is so much more than a running program. We really teach kids how to have success later in life by building the platform, by teaching them how to be a good teammate, how to make wise choices, how to show positive peer pressure, not negative peer pressure, and how to develop perseverance. We all know going through 2020 that perseverance is a key life skill. So that's what we're all about. And so today we get to enjoy hearing all about Lionel Adams' life, how he got into running, where he is planning on running this year in 2021, and where all running has taken him. So Lionel, thanks for giving us your time today and talking to us a little bit. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me on this podcast. I'm looking forward to continuing on and um, diving into this conversation. Yeah, man. So I met you a few years ago by me being the race director for the Run Hard Columbia Marathon and you being the RRCA state rep. And I know just in in those uh, beginning conversations, you were telling me about your running career and you trying to run some really fast times in the marathon distance. So that's how I first met you. But take the listeners through, like, who you are. So where did you grow up, and um, how did that love of running begin? Um, Sure. So, so yeah, taking it back to how it all began, um, I'm actually born and raised in Mobile, Alabama. Okay. So... I'm not originally from South Carolina, um, so I, you know, my job actually landed me here. So I guess I can touch on that, at, you know, later on. But, but yeah, I'm originally from Mobile, Alabama, um, and actually, growing up, I never um, played sports. I actually was in a marching band in um, high school and college um, at Sesame High School and at University of Alabama at Birmingham. Um, so. To parlay any of that into running kind of just happened by chance, to be honest. Sure. And I'm glad it did. Yeah. What instrument did you play in the marching band? Um, alto sax. Okay. Can you still play? Um, or do I you still so. play? <laughs> it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. I still have it, but I, I find myself every now and then just thinking, is this how you play a G? Is this how you play yeah. a I think I can still do the embouchure. I think, but... I think I can still play, but don't hold me to it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I I, uh, I feel you on that. I wasn't in the marching band, but, you know, I'm going just to be completely transparent here. I was actually in the orchestra in high school. So we didn't march around. I played the violin. And, you know, back then it wasn't something that I felt comfortable really bragging about. But looking back, I'm like, man, I was a stud. You know, not many people uh, – <laughs> can play instruments and stuff like that now. I wish I would have appreciated it more back then. And now, I mean, I'm like you, man. I, I think I can still play, but, you know, I'm not playing in front of anybody anytime soon. So I got to dust off the cobwebs a little bit as far as the instrument goes. Man, I def- definitely feel you on that. You know, I actually played in um, in a symphonic band, which I guess is closely related to orchestra as yeah. well. Sure. Um, I specifically remember... <laughs> playing alto sax you know not being a traditional orchestral instrument 
um, the director would always say, we need you to quiet down and blend in with the French horns. Yeah. <laughs> we need your sound to kind of blend. So sure. we weren't really allowed to kind of shine out because the, the particular sound of it being a reeded brass instrument sure. was sure. type was, I guess, didn't mesh well with the uh, traditional um, orchestral instruments. So that's really cool, though. I feel like you really lays a pretty good foundation for a lot of things in life honestly no no doubt so you didn't you mentioned you didn't grow up playing sports you focused really on the band stuff now did you ever run were you ever part of like a swim team did did you do any type of uh physical um sports like that growing up no i didn't it it really was um focused on marching band i actually I went to UAB on a band, well, partial band scholarship. So my wow. whole focus was um, with a marching band sure. specifically. Sure. And then, of course, during the off season, it was symphonic or, um, you know, orchestral type of um, playing at that time. Yeah. So you're in the marching band at UAB. We know that, or if you don't know, that like sports in college is a job. You know, I mean, you're required to go not just to practice, but study halls, everything. Like, it's not just a recreational activity anymore. Now, is is band very similar to that? Because, I mean, you're going to a lot of the sports events as well. Is it a lot of practice? Is a huge commitment? Just as if you were pay, playing a, a collegiate sport? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with collegiate sports, it's intertwined with, you know, how you're actually performing in your in your studies, sure. you know, the director is going to check in. If, 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 your, if your GPA falls to a certain level, you were actually, you know, on probation or you were not allowed okay. to participate yeah. for a certain amount of time until you show marked improvement. Um, but it, it really is like a second job because you're expected to show for practice. If you don't, you know, let's count against you. Um, you could potentially lose your scholarship, which, of course, puts you into another issue um, with funding to go forward with your regular you know the main reason why you're actually there sure. um seek funding from other um places other than you know the scholarship itself sure now what was your major at uab psychology okay all right do you still work in that field today um well now i actually um on board physicians now um, actually newly graduated um, physicians who are transitioning into residency season fellows, okay. fellowships, that is. Sure. So I don't know that I would say that psychology is the same. If I don't know if I can really pinpoint psychology as a specific field um, unless you move forward to, like, counseling or anything else of that such. But sure. I feel like it does help lay the foundations to be able to, to really – focus on anything dealing with one-on-one human interaction and um, anything else regarding people, you know, forming a better understanding and how to best get them to where they need to be through, you know, your best qualities and qualifications, which you can impress upon them. Yeah. So you go to UAB, you're in the marching band, marching band scholarship, majoring in psychology. So... When and where does this love of running come from? When did it start? Because, I mean, fast forward to today, I mean, it's extreme. So where did it start? How did it get, how did you get there? So, you know, 
funny because coming leaving UAB, I actually never, I didn't do anything regarding psychology. I actually went into restaurant management. Okay. Um, which I, I still feel like psychology helped with that, but <laughs> it, it was start yeah. different from anything that I've that I had done or had actually went to school for. So one situation led to another, and I ended up moving from Alabama to Georgia. And in Georgia is where my love for running actually started. Um, I specifically remember just basically wanting to change my life and lose weight and get healthier because I haven't always been a forefront of good health and, and exercise and physical activity, not, not the slightest bit between that time of leaving marching band and working and so on and so forth. So it really started with just going to the gym. Um, and when I think about it specifically, I always think about when I, I was, um, I used to go to LA fitness, um, as a restaurant manager, I started going in Atlanta, I think specifically it was in Alpharetta and I was using the elliptical. That's how I got started. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was non-impact. It wasn't as tax. It wasn't as taxing, but I was still receiving the benefits as if I were running. Right. That's right. And that's really how it took off, to yeah. be honest. I'll yeah. never forget that date when I started. Yeah. So you're starting on the elliptical, just saying like, man, I need to get healthier. Was it a New Year's resolution? Was it a doctor saying, man, you need to get in shape? Or are you just kind of looking in the mirror and saying, man, there's got to be a better me? You know... Thinking about it, it really was, it was more of an epiphany. Um, Okay. It was, you know, after knowing within yourself you need to do something or wanting to change, one day I just presented to the LA Fitness, signed up for membership, and it started from there. Yeah. Um, And I haven't stopped since. It's the craziest thing. I I really can't explain how, how quickly that happened, but I'm so thankful that it did. Sure. Sure. Well, you started that epiphany. You walk into LA Fitness, get a membership. Where was that first race at? Was it a 5K? Was it a marathon? Half marathon? What was that first race? So, you know, knowing that I like the longer distances, my first race was actually the Georgia Half Marathon. Holy cow. So, so you jumped right into yeah, it. I never run a 5K. I never done any, any shorter distances. My first race was a half marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah. So the Georgia Half Marathon, pretty hilly? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Those Atlanta Hills are very disrespectful, much so, like Columbia, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> not not only did you not start with a 5K, but you didn't start with a beach half marathon either. So you dove right into it. Now, you're training for this thing. Did you know how to train for a half marathon? No, I didn't. I So when I... During the time of using the elliptical, at some point along the way, I switched over to the treadmill. Okay. And that's really how I started, you know, actually running. Um, from the treadmill, it, it led to running outside every now and then. You're right. Um, as I started getting those endorphins and thinking, okay, I kind of like this. It feels good. I'm losing weight, you know. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, through doing some research, you know, the most popular race at the time to my knowledge, was the Georgia Marathon and Half Marathon, which mm-hmm. I think now is called the Atlanta Marathon. Right. But um, that's really how it took off, and I just registered, and it was a big deal. I had people cheering for me that I knew because um, they weren't runners, um, but to see me do that was very 
a very big deal. Sure. Um, and did... I'll never forget that moment either. It was raining, actually. Um, wow. And, yeah, it was a great moment. I'm, I'm very thankful for it. So raining on your first half marathon, first time going the distance, I assume. Now you cross the finish line, and obviously you caught the bug. Like You're like, man, that was phenomenal. I want to do it again? Oh, gosh, yes. It, 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 from the moment that I finished, you know, you feel that, okay, that hurt, but I liked it. And then, you know, you go home, you, you look over your stats or whatever, and it's like, okay, I see what I did. Then, you know, you get the, the feelings, wonder, wonder what else is around. Yeah. So that's how it took off. You may have mentioned this. You may have mentioned this, but but give us the time frame from the elliptical to running the Georgia Half Marathon. What was that time frame? A year? Um, it was about a year. So I believe it was 2014. Okay, is really how that took off because it was the Georgia Marathon and Half Marathon in 2015. Okay, of that year. So it was kind of the year prior to that leading up to Georgia Marathon, Half Marathon. Sure, sure. And since that date, how many Half Marathons have you run? Have you kept track of that? Someone actually asked me that question. Um, I want to say I've done, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's been 20 to 21, I believe, Okay. Um, I, I was racing multiple times per year. Um, I would have to go back and do some research, but I just pulled this data not too long ago. But it was about 20 or so, 18, 20, 21, somewhere in there. But from then to now, that's about how many I've, I've uh, participated and completed and run thus far. Wow. So what uh, after you finished that, um, Georgia Half Marathon. Did you set goals like from there? Like, uh, not only did you say, "Hey, I want to do this again," but you mentioned looking at your stats. Did you say, "Okay, so I just ran my first half. I ran it at this time." Did you say, "I might be able to run it at this time"? When did the goal setting start after that first event, and what were those goals? So. Thinking of the Georgia Half Marathon, I believe I finished that race in two hours. I want to say 12 minutes. So it wasn't my fastest by, by far, but it was my benchmark. Um, right. And definitely it, it proved that I, I had a good base to work off of. At that point, uh, once that competitive spirit started to, to grow within me, I started thinking, okay, Maybe I can hit this in less than two hours. Then it went into less than 145, and then eventually less than 130. Um, so it really started that way. My goals really worked off of every 15 minutes. Um, but you know, sure. once it once it really dialed in, it became more of maybe I can shave off a couple of minutes. <laughs> maybe right. I can shave off, right. you know, 30 seconds, whatever right. it may be. Yeah. But th- it kind of went from there. Yeah. Once you start getting faster, man, it's harder to shave off those 15-minute increments. Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what are uh, what are your marathon goals now? I know that you've tried to kind of transition to even longer. Do you have any that you're pursuing? I know, like us runners, we, uh, we would love to run the Boston Marathon, or we'd love to break a certain time goal for the marathon. Do you have any of those? 
absolutely. Um, I think that was that previously was my ultimate um, goal in the marathon. It, it is setting specific goals with that distance. But to back up, I um, I actually got into marathons, um, and I had finally shaved my time down to in the three hour and three and a half, three fifteen range. It went from there. Um, so my latest goal has been, and actually this was up until last year, and I'll divulge more into that too, but it was to do sub three. And I, and I actually got really, really close to it um, with a 306 finish at um, Kiowa Island Marathon in 2019. Okay. Um, but after that, well, actually, during that time and afterwards, my goal was to do a sub three marathon because I was needing that time to be able to run the Boston Marathon sure. for my age range. Um, so I was actually planning to do that with the Tobacco Road Marathon in Cary, North Carolina. However, um, around that same time as when COVID hit, right. So right. I actually changed my expectations and goals right after that. I just really kind of stepped back from that goal since there were no real. Um, qualifying race is happening. Right. So that's when I, I kind of paused that goal at that point. And, and that's, that's still to be continued. Sure. So that take us back to that 306 finish in Kiowa. At, at the time, or it still is, I guess, your PR for the marathon distance, right? Yes, that's correct. So that day, was it one of those days where it just all came together at Kiowa? Absolutely. I, um, I actually ran that race with a buddy of mine, um, Ryan. Um, he's a, another local um, awesome runner. But it was just so, so crazy. We synced so well, and it's like our cadence was the same. But we held a pace that lasted the entire time that was plus or minus within seconds of seven minutes, 6.55 in that range. Right. And it just clicked. And it was just so weird because you would look down at your watch. It's like, okay our pace is not changing. This is weird. You know, yeah. I've never experienced yeah. this before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was one of those races where everything clicked and I could, uh, my eyes were really open to the fact that I could really do this at a faster pace. Sure. You know, given the, the correct opportunity and the correct sure. course yeah. and, um, you know, weather conditions and such. So that was in December of 2019, you ran Kiowa. So that was a pretty quick turnaround that you were looking to carry North Carolina to try to go sub three. So you, you must have had great fitness and training at the time. Yeah, at the time, I was really at the top, and I was trying to capitalize off of that um, that fitness, sure. which is not always the easiest. So I was trying to really recover, maintain, and, and try to push a little harder to get sub three um, but of course, you know, for Boston qualification, it would have to be a good sub three right. to right. Uh, actually um, make it into that race based off of the specific guidelines that will be needed for that year. Which is crazy to think about, man, about how fast the uh, that first tier or age group has to be now to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I mean, I, I think back, I mean, I don't consider myself really old, but I mean, I'm 38 now, but... I remember the first time I qualified, I was 28, 29 maybe, but that was when it was at a 310. And I qualified at Kiowa. I think I ran a 308, but now it's like not even 
qualifying, like meeting the qualifying standard. I mean, sometimes you got to go three, four minutes faster than your qualifying standard to even just get a chance to get in. And now, now for that, for, for your age group, you're saying, I mean, you got to go sub three and some change just to get in. Oh yeah, that's crazy. Absolutely, it, it really is. And you just know if you don't do it in two fifty six, two fifty seven, you won't even step foot into Boston. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy how how those times have shaved down more and more based off of how you know how fit we as runners have become as a whole. Sure, um, sure. It really is impressive, though. Yeah. I'll say this, man. Hopefully, it's an encouragement to you. My marathon PR is 2:58. I ran it down in Jacksonville, and I tell people this, man. If anybody can break three hours, if if I can do it, then anybody can do it because there is no special athletic bone in my body or athletic gift that I was given, man. So it was just all grit and determination. And if I can do it, man, you got it in the bag. So just keep at it. Keep after that goal. Oh man, thank you. I'll I'll definitely revisit it sure. once it's um, advantageous again. But um, yeah. I'll definitely keep that. However, I might age up beforehand. Sure, to sure. Be honest, hey, I'm not the, far from that. Though, the, so. There are some advantages way, of getting older, you know. So there you go. Oh yeah. You mentioned 2020 that the the Tobacco Road Marathon that you were eyeing for this sub three hour attempt had was canceled. So what did your 2020 race schedule looked like with all the canceled races and nothing really to commit to on your calendar what did you do so at the point that i realized that tobacco road was not going to happen i immediately just said okay i believe this is going to be indicative of the rest of this year so i'm going to scrap trying to qualify for now and i just kept running and start into a run streak that lasted the rest of the year, and it's still happening. Um, and that's honestly how it led into ultras at that point. I just kept running. Yeah. E- every day. Yeah. You know, I just ran. Yeah. Um, you mentioned and, that run that, streak. What really is that? That's really how it took off with ultras is the cancellation of that race. Yeah. Yeah. What's your run streak? Oh, gosh. At the end of the year, it was 365. So the only day I took off was one day that I took to rest before Tobacco Road, before knowing that it was going to be canceled. That run streak, Um, is it one mile a day? No. My average was about 87 point. Somebody else asked me this, and I told them it was about 87.1 miles per week. um, Holy cow. last, Last year. That's incredible. You run mostly outside or inside? It's been about both, but for the most part, outside. Um, but I change that based off of how I'm feeling. If I need a little sure. bit more, you know, cushioning on my feet, if I need some yeah. recovery, I might pull it inside. I use a treadmill. Yeah. You know, whatever I can do to keep myself going. I don't go out there and pound on the pavement every single day the hardest I can because it the street would not be alive today sure. Sure. <laughs> if I did yeah, it. That's right. So describe to everybody what the term ultra means. And you, you might have some people listening to this that um, have run marathons, maybe have run ultras marathons, but what does the term ultra mean? So the textbook definition that I understand of the word ultra is any distance beyond 26.2, which of course, you know, is the, um, the standard road marathon. Sure. Um, However, 
however, they generally start at the 50K mark, which is 31-mile mark um, and up. So that's basically where it starts. But the ultra could really be anything from um, that plus 26.2 to, you know, a 50-mile, 50K, 50-mile, 100K, 100-mile, and so on and so forth. And it's also timed events, too, such as 12-hour, 24-hour, multi-day it uh, really just depends on the specific event and goal that the person is trying to accomplish. Yeah. What's your furthest ultra that you've participated in so far? Um, so it has been the 12-hour distance, which I recently completed at Delirium, which is one of the races put on by Grounded Running with Tim Wise in um, Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, and I've finished on record 60 miles, but I was one minute late of finishing 62 uh, of the 12 hour race but that's mm-hmm. my my furthest at this point 12 hours so take t- take me through that man because that for me like when i go out for a run i'm thinking okay okay i got I, I got a good hour workout ahead of me to run but how do you mentally prepare yourself to run or walk or at least move forward for 12 hours so I feel that the um, the fact that I run every day has really built the foundation of preparing me to, you know, mentally and physically prepare for an event of that magnitude. Um, and, and it's not something that, that I go into thinking I'm going to just off the bat push it. And I honestly don't really put any solid goals except for some goals that are fluid. But I take it by feel instantaneously. If, you know, if I know the course is going to be muddy or um, extremely hilly or whatever the conditions may be, I'll alter it, prepare myself that way, adjust and take by feel and just take it one step, one mile at a time. Sure. Um, then that really lays the foundation for how the rest of the race will be and how I'll be able to maintain that level of, um, you know, that level of grit throughout the whole event. Sure. How many breaks do you take over the 12-hour race distance? Or, yeah, 12-hour race distance? So I don't have a specific number of breaks. In general, I don't really take breaks other than to stop, refill um, my hydration, stop, eat really quick. Uh, But I really take it by feel. But what I'll say has been the hardest is the, the flat ultras where you don't really have the opportunity to judge when it's most advantageous to to take a you know hiking break or walk break because it's so flat you can just keep going yeah but then you realize at a certain point okay my legs are not going to be able to continue this i need to take a break but at that point it's already too late you're going to be suffering much earlier than you should be um so i kind of take it by feel but i usually take walking breaks earlier just so I can space them out throughout the entire event and maintain that level of grit so I can finish. And you'd be surprised at how, how well that works to, to meet a certain goal after you've already accomplished. I'm sure. And, you know, figured out what it is that you need to do to um, adjust to that, that course. Yeah. So the course, is it 
like multi loops, I assume. I, I mean, I really doubt that you're on a big one loop or an out and back for 12 hours. So you're on this loop, I'm assuming. How, how far is the loop specifically so in that I race? Have, in general, those 12 hour loops are about two and some change. Um, I believe one has been like two and a quarter, one's been like 2.8. Okay. Yeah. I think I've been on one that was 1.7. Um, but it usually it's a looped course where you're able to run past your station or sure. a setup station already, and you don't really have to worry about um, where you'll find a, a, an aid station because you may have your own setup sure. and your own tent, or sure. or the course might have, um, I'm sorry, the event might have a table set up where you can grab and go or whatever it may be. What's nutrition look like for you over 12 hours. I'm sure it's calculated, and I, I'm sure you know what you have to have just to stay stay upright for 12 hours. So take us through that nutrition plan. So I focus mainly, especially in the first quarter to first half of the race, on usual gels and, and um, hydration for the most point. Um, at a certain point, though, you want to change to more solid foods. And it's really based off of what your body wants and what it can handle at that time. So I would say in the, going back, I'd say about the first half, I just stick with my hydration mix of, you know, um, enhanced electrolytes. Um, I'm currently using Huma at this time for my gels, um, which is a real food right. um, gel. So that works pretty well for me, and I, I have no issues ingesting those while running. So I can I found that I can press on with that with the, with that combination pretty far actually. But then at a certain point, my body starts to indicate that it it needs to chew on something or it needs something right. of more substance. Right. So recently, I've been using the uh, vegan Stroop waffles. Okay. Because um, I actually do follow a vegan diet. So okay. The Stroop waffles work well because they, they have a very good balance of the, what, what your body or what my body is looking for to be able to keep moving. And I found it to work well in addition to the gels and um, hydration. So I've actually done 12 hours just on those three things, period. Wow. <laughs> There's been others where I've used, um, you know, nuts or granola as well yeah. later in the race to uh, supplement. I know, man. When I when I run a marathon, it takes me like three to four days before I can walk normal again. So if I'm running for twelve hours, you're you're completing sixty plus miles in that twelve hours. What does recovery look like? I mean, are you limping for a week, or is it just like you just got to go at this pace, stretch it out, and you're good a couple of days after? What does that look like? So in general. The further the event is, the more I know that I'm going to have to recover. But my recovery looks a little different from what others may think recovery is or what works for them. I, since I do run every day, my recovery is basically just slowing way down. It, on those days of recovery, you may see an 10-11 minute pace. Sure. Um, just shuffling around to keep moving. Um after a couple of days of doing the what I like to call the ultra shuffle, I tend to bounce back and just take what I feel until I, I feel I'm ready to step back into formal training again. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody listening wanted to research ultra marathons and get a race 
directory of all the events, where can they go? Bar none, ultrasignup.com. Okay. Um, as soon as you go to their website, and actually um, by phone, I've realized it'll, it can take your location and it'll give you a listing of all the races that are close by within range within a certain time frame. Okay. Um, so ultrasignup.com is definitely the hub for anything ultra-related in any area of the U.S., so we, we see these events, and we participate in these events that are marathons, half marathons, 5Ks, and we'll see three, 400, 500 people, depending on the event, participating. In an ultra event, how many people are there? Are, are there a lot of people that are looking for a distance further than a marathon? Um, so the ultra is actually a, a much different um, community uh, from my experience, that is, uh, it's a much different community than the uh, traditional road race um, community and, and mindset. But you have people who may show who are really just wanting to go out there and keep moving for X number of hours. They may not necessarily complete, you know, an ultra distance or they may stop at 27 or 26.3, whatever it may be, sure. whatever they're there for, to get what they want out of the event. Because um, it ranges really from the people who are looking to, to PR, or distance PR, that is, time PR, all the way down to those who just want to get out there sure. and keep moving all day. They just sure. want to run all day, yeah. or walk all day. And that's totally okay. Sure. I mean, hey, to be moving for 12 hours straight, that's that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Who cares how fast? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what was the winning time at that delirium race, 12-hour distance, the one that you completed about 60-ish miles? Oh, my gosh. There was, I believe it's, I cannot remember this young man's name. It was a 13-year-old who went and just completely 13. gave us all, yes. <laughs> he gave us a run for our money, and I believe he completed 73 miles. 73 miles at 13 years old. Where was he from? He's from that area in Beaufort. Wow. Um, gosh, I can't remember his name, but he's a he's a pretty local a local fame around there. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he he's pretty he's pretty um pretty legit out there. I remember um, encountering him several times, basically giving him the nod or you know saying good job, and he was just always going at it. Um, yeah. But I believe he I know for a fact he came in first and completed 73. Or that's, so miles. That's incredible. Uh, so he, he, bar none, that event down. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. So, you are now the RRCA Roadrunner Club of America, South Carolina State Rep, right? How long yes, have that's you? Correct. How long have you carried that title? So I have um, been the South Carolina State Rep since 2018. I believe it was August of 2018. I. I um, took on the role for um, state rep of the state. State rep, what kind of um, job responsibilities does that, what comes with it being the state rep for RRCA? So basically state reps are the ambassadors for the Road Winners Club of America, um, which is a, a nationally national organization of basically running events and, and clubs throughout the U.S. based in um, the D.C. area, sure. but um, we basically disseminate information. We represent at local races, 
um, those that have been designated as championships to show or to make sure that they know that we're present to present awards. Um, we also uh, relay information regarding membership, um, insurance, anything else that is covered under the RCA umbrella. Sure. Now, you you mentioned membership. What's an advantage of someone joining the RRCA? So, by joining any of our member clubs, you're actually already a member of the RRCA. Okay. And that affords you the opportunity to be covered under the insurance because the club itself um, is insured through RRCA, so therefore you are. Um, but it also opens you up to the ability to um, connect with local communities that you really would not have had a connection with, you know, without being RCA. Uh, we have a local directory that shows, you know, anywhere you travel, these are our clubs, here's the contact. Then those clubs normally have a site where you're able to connect, see where local runs are, um, meeting group when it is safe to do so. And, of course, during these times, it, that may be altered and may look different at this time, but... Sure. In general, it's really to promote um, grassroots organizations and, and groups to move forward and do great things in our communities. Sure. If someone wanted to find out more information about the RRCA, where can they go? Um, they can visit our site at rrca.org. Um, and there's actually a link where you're able to search based off of state and region, um, I'm sure city, um, and you can maybe be able to dial down. Um, from that, um, and it'll give a listing of clubs, um, contacts, you'll see the email to contact um, the certain clubs to reach out. Um, also has a Facebook site um, you'll be able to touch base with and get good information from there too. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so good to know. And uh, I know just being a race director has been awarded the state championship for the marathon a few years Man, it's really cool. People come from a, a lot of um, a lot of faraway places to participate just for that designation to either be the champion or participate in that event. And with people coming so far away, hearing stories is what's really cool as a race director to hear from people as they come to your town to race in your event. So, yeah, we appreciate it from the Columbia event for sure. I have a few last questions for you, just kind of quick questions that off the top of your head, how would you answer them? You ready for it? Absolutely. All right. So, what's your favorite music to listen to on a run, <laughs> or genre? Oh my gosh, I'm a um, I'm a very very big hardcore um, rock metal. Really? You know? Okay. Not surprised. Uh, absolutely. I'm, yeah. I mean, the harder the better. Sometimes, depending on the run, the faster the better. Okay. But yeah, metal all day long. You have a favorite Sometimes group? Sometimes some grunge though. You have a favorite group? All-time favorite group is Alice in Chains. Wow, okay, yeah, going a little old school. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I heard that. What's your go-to food before a race? Um, go-to food. So this is really my, my daily uh, food. So races, of course, being in the mornings normally is oatmeal and almonds. Okay. I like my oatmeal mix with raisins and a side of almonds, and I'm good to go. Favorite movie of all time? Oh my gosh. I need to think about that for a second. I don't even have much time to watch movies and TV as much as I run so much. 
Um, all time. You can. Uh, I'll, I'll even expand it to favorite show of all time. Oh my gosh, that's a hard question. I'm not a big TV and movie watcher. Okay. I can just think back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll give you I a. I think the show. I, I think, yeah, the show Blacked is actually pretty funny. Okay. Um, I used to watch that in the past, but I, I found that to be very thoughtful and, um, sure. and, and pretty entertaining. Other than that, I'm not really a big TV movie watcher. Yeah, yeah I hear you. All right, so you know that, that we coordinate the, the Run Hard program. We, we work with kids that are new to the sport, that we see potential that could excel in the sport. Later in life, our goal with the program is, like I mentioned on the um, beginning of the program, that we want to teach them life values that will help them experience success later in life. But we have a lot of um, a lot of new runners, and some people listening to this may just now getting into the active life, meaning they want to get healthier, like you were walking into the LA Fitness. What advice would you give a kid just starting out, living the active life, or starting running, trying to figure out the sport, or someone who is just transitioning into the active life? So it's kind of like the same boat, even though they're different, different ages. Someone new to the sport or to the active life, what, is there, what nugget would there be that you could give them if you were talking to him one day? I would say that first and foremost, enjoy the ride because it is certainly a ride once you take off. But your pace is your pace. And this this is really starting with running. Don't feel that you have to compare yourself to those who are, who have excelled far, you know, to greater heights than I could probably ever reach or anyone that I know, uh, you know, professional, so on and so forth. Your pace is your your pace, and you are where you are, and that's okay. And really, that's what makes us greater going forward. Sure. You incur less injuries, and you really enjoy it for the long haul. But just enjoy it and, and take off from there. Everything falls in place once you learn to enjoy it, and you stay at your pace and move at your own um pace where you are that's right man those are some good words good words of wisdom right there from Lionel Adams our South Carolina RRCA state rep ultra marathoner marathoner and really all things active so if somebody wanted to follow your progress as you run these ultra marathons follow your story all that do you have any social media outlets that you want to share with people on how they can follow so I am um Going down the Strava rabbit hole. So okay. <laughs> I yeah. am on Strava. Yeah. Um, you can search me just for my name, Lionel Adams. It'll You'll find me. I'm the person, the picture running through the woods or jumping over some mud, I think is what it is right now. Okay. Um, and I'm also on Facebook and um, Twitter. And just searching my name, you can find me in all those areas as well. Perfect. Well, Lionel, thanks for your time today, man. Thanks for giving us all your running wisdom, life experience, all that kind of stuff. I appreciate the conversation, man, and uh, hope you have a good one and a successful 2021 race schedule for sure. 
thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and to share what little wisdom I have to a greater um, audience. I know a lot about a little bit about a lot. I hope to think um, and yeah. we'll relay that in any way I can to to help someone along the way. Right on, man. I'm sure it was helpful today. Thanks again for everybody listening today. Whatever you do, always get out, be active, and always remember, run hard. See ya.